Welcome to another live episode. I am your host, W-I-Z-E, and I'm excited about this interview because I have a fellow New Yorker coming on the show. She's a, a, a financial coach and a money mentor, and she's the first millionaire in her family. So let's 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 get excited because I want to hear her story and, and have her share her story. So let's wait no longer. Welcome to Stuck in My Mind, Wally Miller. Hello. Hi, Will. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm good. I'm so excited to get this conversation started. I'm really, uh, yeah, let, let's get rolling. All right. So can, can you share the pivotal moment that led you to make significant changes in your financial life? Oh, yeah. So I wish I could say that I was always good with money, but I think for a long time, I thought I was good with money. So um, there were a couple different things that happened. There wasn't like this one instance, but the one of the things that I realized was that I, you know, grew up born and raised in New York City, daughter of an immigrant. Um, we were talking um, beforehand, you know, born in the Bronx, um, you know, so we were a relatively low income family. We didn't live in poverty. I always had a roof over my head. We always had food on the table, but sometimes it was like, things I didn't want to eat, but we always had food, right? Um, so fast forward a little bit, and I did the thing, right? I graduated high school, I went to college, and after college, I got myself a, a, a job, a stable job. And so in a lot of ways, it was like, okay, I think I'm doing, making the right decisions. I negotiated my salary. And, you know, so like I started making some really, or what I thought was making some really good choices. So fast forward a little bit, I had to do the adulting thing. And so bills started coming in. And I thought I was being really responsible with money because as bills came in, I paid the bills. I didn't get into credit card debt. I was making enough money that I paid the bills. And as my salary increased, once I would finish paying my bills, I had money left over. And so again, I thought it was good with money. I said, okay, my bills, I don't have any debt collectors calling me. I'm okay but I didn't really know what to do with the money that was left over, right? This was the first time in my life where I had really experienced that. Usually it was like, after you pay the bills, you don't have any money left money. over. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I think I have to do something called save money. Um, so I went ahead and started saving a little bit of money. And then I said, okay, well, I'm paying my bills. I'm saving some money. So then what do I do with the rest of it? And I didn't really know what to do. So I just spent it. I said, this is what people do, right? Like now, you know, all the times that I used to say, we don't have money for that or money doesn't grow on trees. You know, I was like, no, now I can go and buy the things that I wanted. And so really I spent most of my twenties living just like that. As my salary increased, so did my bills and so did my spending. And it wasn't until I was like 28 maybe where I remember receiving a letter from like the Social Security Administration. And it basically had a work history analysis. And it had a, a list of all the income that I had made throughout my whole life. So this had like summer youth programs for when I was like 14 and 15, right? And it had every job that I had in high school and all my jobs in my 20. And I remember calculating all the money that I had made at up until that point. And it was at that moment that I realized like, holy crap where did all that money go? And I looked around me and I realized that I didn't really have anything to show for the amount of money that I had made. And that was sort of like that one awareness, that one moment of realization, like something wasn't quite right. But still, I didn't know what to do about it. I was like, okay, wow, like, I need to do something a little bit better. So what I did was I started increasing a little bit more money that went into savings, okay? So I went from like saving maybe 20, 30, 40, 50, $100 when I could to like really being consistent with savings. So I said, okay, so I feel a little bit better about that. I'm gonna start saving a little bit more. And then fast forward a little bit more, I had a really good career and I enjoyed the work that I was doing. And it was sort of an ideal situation until it was an ideal so more <laughs> anymore. And what happened was that we had a change in management at my job. And this ideal workplace and this ideal job that I had really turned into like a very toxic work environment. And it became very unhealthy. And I realized that I was stuck. 
because if I miss the paycheck, maybe two paychecks, like for sure, like maybe one, I would be okay. But if I miss two paychecks, I was going to lose everything that I had worked so hard for. And it was at that moment that I realized that I kind of had like these handcuffs on, right? Every dollar that I had coming in, I was spending, I didn't really have a whole lot to show for it. And I didn't really feel free. I felt stuck. And so it was those two instances that really showed me that I am doing something wrong and there has to be a better, a better way to work with money. But that's everyone. That's everyone. Everyone. Yes. That's, that's, that's how it is. Anyone with a job. That's it, it, it's basically a, it, it's it handcuffs you like they this makes you for a job when you have a job. And listen, everyone works and I understand that. But that's what a salary does it keeps you there Mm -hmm. it's paying you consistently for your hours but you're still just making enough to cover what you're living at at what sometimes you gotta live below what you're even making to save money yeah And, and so it's a it's a system so when i started learning about finance i was already in my forties, mm-hmm. it's not something that we're taught. This, this is not no anywhere. We're not taught about the rule of seventy-two and all these other rules that that there's out there. That my my mom is my my, my mom and my dad from Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. They didn't know about savings. They didn't know about investments. They didn't know about any of that. So it's not something that I've taught. And obviously, they're not. It's not taught in schools in New York City. So. Where did you get this knowledge from? Where did you, did you go out and seek it or? Yeah. So one of the things that happened was that, you know, again, so I had these two sort of moments in my life where I was just like, okay, I really need to do something else, but I didn't know what to do. And you really bring up a great point, right? Like financial literacy is one component, right? For sure. If your parents don't really sit down and talk to you about money, everything from like how to open up a checking account. What is a checking account? You know, like what is a mm-hmm. savings account? What's the difference? Right. What balancing is interest rate? Yeah. Yeah. Balancing a checkbook. Like unless your parents or the people who raised you really sit down and talk with you. What we learn about money is really just observed. Right. Like mm-hmm. what we see people around us do around money and like their relationship with money. And like research shows that our money relationship, our money habits and our money mindset is all formed when we're really, really young. We're not talking about 15, 16, 17, 18. No, we're talking between the ages of seven and 10 is when you start to form that relationship with money. And so when we think about what was going on from the viewpoint of a seven, eight, nine, 10 year old, right? What were the conversations that were happening? What was the feeling that was happening? What was the financial security? Was there financial security in your home? So all of that stuff really carries on with us. And so when we think about it, when we start making money, and when you get out, when you start making money, particularly in your 20s, you have this seven-year-old, eight-year-old version of yourself building a relationship with money just with grown-up dollars, right? (laughs) So you have a seven, eight-year-old mindset building money with, or not building money, but really earning money with with, um, that seven, eight-year-old money mindset. And so one of the things that happened was that, you know, I did start trying, I didn't even know like the terms to search, right? So everybody's like, go to Google, but I didn't even know what to search for because when I did look for like personal finance advice, you know, it was a lot about get out of debt, get out of debt. And I am so grateful that I didn't get down that debt hole, right? So I didn't get stuck with credit card debt. I did have like a car note and I did have student loans. But I didn't get stuck with the credit card debt. I, you know, I was renting. So I didn't really understand. Like, I couldn't relate to the information that was out there. Yeah. So I still didn't know what to even, like, Google for. And I remember one day I was on the Internet and there was, like, this clickbaity article. And it was called – and it was – um. The headline was, you know, couple in their 40s retires early to travel the world. And that was where my eyes opened, right? Because I read this article with incredible skepticism, but I was incredibly curious. Like, how in the world did this couple 
retire in their 40s to travel the world. And that's something that I always love to do was travel. Like when I talked about how I used to spend my money, yes, I used to buy clothes, shoes, travel. <laughs> like That was my thing. So I was like, wait a minute, how, how did they do this? And as I read the article and read their story, essentially the component that I was missing was wealth building. Right. I couldn't even like relate to that word. When I thought of the word wealth, I thought of like an old man smoking a cigar with a velvet robe, you know, like I just couldn't even connect to that term wealth. And I was like, look, I'm not an athlete. I'm not an actor. Like I don't have, you know, wealth building money. And what I realized from this couple is that they were a couple who um, they had a six figure income as as a couple, but I think he was earning like 60,000 and she was earning like 50,000. So I was like, wait a minute, like, what are what are they doing? Like, what is this wealth building piece? And that led me to their blog. And as I read their blog, I just sort of got enamored at some of the things that were that they were doing when it came to wealth building. And the first piece was just investing, which also sounded like gambling to me, because I didn't know the difference. I didn't know the difference. I was like, all I know is that when people go to the casinos, they leave crying. And when people put money in the stock market, they also cry. So like, I I really didn't understand what the difference was, but I was curious. And that's when I started like trying to figure it out. So of course, being, being uh, the, the, the child of immigrants and, and and everything it's, like I said, my parents were from Puerto Rico it's it's a different different dynamic for especially for us um what but what what did you get from your parents as far as you being you like like what did did that man you had both parents in your household mom and dad how was that Yeah. So I grew up with both of my parents. My mom was a stay at home mom. She had, I was the oldest or I am the oldest of five kids. And then my dad was the sole provider for our house. And my dad doesn't speak English, right? He's from, he was born and raised in Ecuador. He came to this country when he was 20 to make a better life for himself. He met my mom, who's also Puerto Rican or his Puerto Rican. And, um, you know, they really tried to do the best that they could. Um, and it was, I remember helping my dad like pass his immigration test, you know, like studying for his citizenship test. Like, you know, so there were, you know, the conversations around money really didn't happen exactly. between us and the and our parents, right? Like, it was about, like, the conversations that the two of them were having, right? So, like, when the lights would get cut off or when the cable was turned off or when I needed, you know, um, money for a school trip or something like that. Like, so there wasn't a whole lot of conversation around money. And this is what sort of affected me as I got into my 20s and I started making a little bit of money that I didn't know how to handle it. I was like, okay, oh, I know that I got to pay my bills because I remember mommy sitting at the table, you know, writing, you know, Con Ed bill, you know, electricity, like all these things. Like, so I knew to do that. But it was like, what do I do with the rest? Because what I experienced growing up was there was no rest, right? That (laughs) was it. That that was was it, it. right? Like maybe we got lucky and we got, you know, like breakfast at McDonald's or, you know, like, so there wasn't really any money left. So I had to figure that out. Now, I will say when I, it wasn't until my 30s where I realized, okay, there's something called building wealth and there's people doing it through investing that I really got curious as to what that really meant. And so one of the things, even now, I have a lot of people who will reach out to me on Instagram or even friends and family. They'll be like, tell me about investing. Like, what should I invest in? Like, how do I get started? And really the question that they're asking me is what companies is going to like grow, right? Right. Which one is going to make me money? How can I turn a hundred dollars into a million? Right. Like that's the question that they're asking. And really, that's not the question to be asking, because if I knew which company is going to turn a hundred dollars into a million, like we would be in a very different situation. Right. But there are some basic rules. And one of them that you've mentioned was, for example, like just understanding the rule of compounding interest. Right. Mm -hmm. And we hear that saying, like, let your money make money. 
that is one of the simplest ways to do it. Um, right now, we're in really unique times that even a savings account, you put money in a savings account and you just let it sit there. And guess what? It's going to grow. Like for a long time, interest rates on a savings account was 1% or less. Yeah. Right now, you put $100 at the start of the year and it grows at a 5% interest, you've done made $5, right? And so when you think about that, it's like, oh, well, that's only $5, right? But when you think of it on a bigger scale, what about if you have 300 or 1,000 or 10,000 or 20,000? That is one of the ways that you can use compounding interest, right, to grow your money. Now, there's a difference between growing money for the short term and growing money for the long term, right? We don't want to be growing our money at 5%. I mean, that's not bad. Like, I'll take no, that. No, yeah, we, we rather the 10, 12, 12% be nice. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so the question is, like, where do you get 10, 12, maybe even more percent, right? Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, if my savings account, and again, at that time, it was earning like 1% to 2%, I was like, okay, that's not going to make me, help me build wealth. And that's going to provide time, and at a time, it was even below 1%. You wasn't really making much of your savings account. Seriously. And it's okay. Like, mm. I'll take 1% to 2%. And there's a, there's a place for a savings account, right? The money that we want to put in a savings account is money that we want and need immediate access to, yeah. right? That is going to be money that is there just Emergency to provide... Fund. Yeah. Yes, that's there to provide that cushion, that safety net. Mm -hmm. That money is not there to help us build wealth, it's there to help us build confidence, right? So when we're talking about what type of money to put into a savings account, using um, a, a savings account for an emergency fund, right? For travel, for birthdays, for vacations, for holidays that we know can get expensive, right? This is money that we know we're going to need in the next three months, six months, 12 months, right? We really want to have that money easily accessible. A savings account is great. And yeah. we're in a lucky situation right now that the interest rates on a savings account is getting four to 5%. So it's like, okay, our, our savings bucket, our emergency fund, our safety net is going to make me a little bit of money, but that's not the point of the savings account, right? The yeah. savings account is there to provide that cushion, that safety net. So then what do we do when we want to build wealth? It's not putting money in a savings account, right? It is finding those accounts that are going to help us grow our money 10, 12, or higher percentage. And if it's not a savings account and it's not a checking account, it's an investing account. And learning some of the simple steps that it takes to build wealth through investing was one of the biggest lessons that I learned that really changed the trajectory of me getting started on my wealth building journey, but also the safety that I felt knowing that I was going to give myself options, right? Remember that I mentioned, I felt like I didn't really have a choice at staying at my job, right? Yeah. Because staying at my job was consistent. I knew that paycheck okay, was coming. coming. Yeah. Right. I knew that, I, you know, if I did a I didn't even have to do a great job, but <laughs> as long as I did a OK up, job, yeah. I was going to have that income coming and I had to be in a bad environment. But I knew the income was going to keep coming. Now, of course, there's I'll put a little caveat to that, because right now we're in a time where even what you think is a safe job, they're laying off a lot of people. But for the most part, you know, like there is some security in a W-2 job, right? I think we put too much security. We think that is way too, you know, it's almost like 100% guarantee and it's not, yeah. but there is some safety in like a W-2 job. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when, that's where people stay with W-2 jobs is because of that safety net. Well, I'm, mm -hmm. if I work my 40 hours, I'm guaranteed to get this amount after the 40 hours. Right. And, and I, I'm, I, listen, I'm tired of working out. <laughs> I want to. I want to be able to go decide when I want to go on vacation. If me and the wife want to go to a tropical island and then lay down and enjoy the beach or whatever, I want to travel the world. Mm -hmm. And and sorry, but a nine to five is just not going to get you there. Yeah, it's, it could. It could. It depends on the, the depend. But you're still selling your time. Yes, that is the, the thing. Difference. Right, you're selling your time. Whereas if you could find a way 
to have your money work for you instead of you working for your money. Mm-hmm. That's the difference where you, you, you learned to make your money work for you. Mm-hmm. Whereas person, regular person, nine to five, they have to work for their money and they have to ask for time off. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just, a, um, and that's one, one of the reasons I, I enjoy doing the podcast is having people come on and explain like you, like you can't, like you've done so far. So that people can see, hey, let's say it can be done. I'm girl from the Bronx. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's really true, right? Like there is a way to leverage your nine to five mm-hmm. in order to buy your freedom, right? Yeah. But you have to understand what you're also exchanging for that, which is mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Right. And at the point when I first started like going down the rabbit hole of, okay, what in the world is investing? How do I do it? What's compounding interest? How do I make my money work for me? Right. Like I was still in that, like nine to in that nine to five mentality and that was okay. Right. I was like, okay, how can I make sure that the income that I'm bringing in right through my nine to five, how can I put that to work? Because at that time, what it was doing was just buying me things. It was just Mm -hmm. buying me stuff, right? Like when I looked around, I had a lot of stuff, but I didn't have a lot of freedom. And that was more of what I wanted, right? Yes, I wanted, you know, opportunity to like go and travel and I wanted time freedom, but I also wanted options. And what I was learning was there's this movement or this community of people, and they call themselves the FIRE movement. And FIRE stands for Financially Independent Retiring Early. Okay? So FIRE, Financially Independent retire, uh, early. Retiring Early. Yeah. And I was like, what is this FIRE movement? How are people, first of all, reaching financial independence? And how are they retiring early? Because from what I understood, you had to retire at the age of 65, right? Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, but this couple did it in their 40s. So how was it that they did it? And look, there's a lot of, again, advantages of having a nine to five. And the thing is that so many people don't understand how you can leverage that to buy your freedom, right? So we can talk about entrepreneurship. And I know you have done that so many times on your podcast. But I also like, I think it's really important because there might be somebody, like I said, I enjoyed the job that I was doing. Like I I felt really fulfilled. There's some people who who work, who don't want, who aren't entrepreneurs. They, They enjoy doing the nine to five and there's nothing wrong with that. But if we can show them a way of, that money, that extra, that, that little extra few dollars that you got, that you, you're trying to figure out, instead of buying yourself a new pair of Jordans, why not invest it here? Why not yes. put it here? And that's the piece right there, right? Yeah. And I 100% agree with you. I would say, actually, for the longest time, I did. I was not an entrepreneur. I didn't have, you know, there's some, like, kids, like, from, you know, like, from way back when. they're and like They knew they wanted to be entrepreneurs, knew, yeah. They, yeah, and they just had it in their spirit, right? They're, like, yeah. selling lemonade. They're selling waters of bottle, like, bottles of water. Like, they just have it in their, their, in their DNA. And that yeah. was not the case for me at all, right? So I wanted more freedom and I had to figure out how could I use the income that I was making? Because for me, I will say there's two ways to build wealth. Okay. Simple. Number one is to decrease your expenses and the gap you have between your income and expenses, use that to build wealth through investing. And then the second way to build wealth is to increase the income right? You keep your expenses exactly the same, but you increase the income. But as you increase the income, the gap between your expenses and your income, you use that to build wealth. And today I want to talk more about the stock market, but it is not the only way to invest. I like to tell my clients there's sort of three ways to to build uh, wealth, or there's uh, three sort of investing vehicles. One is the stock market. And with that, I'm going to include a lot of other things. For example, Cryptocurrency back in what, 2021, 2022, 2020, people were talking about NFTs, right? So like, let's just talk about the market, right? I like the stock market. Then there's real estate. And there's so many different vehicles that we can talk about real estate, right? Because you can have commercial real estate, you can have residential, you can own an apartment building, you can have a house, you can own a trailer park, right? There's so many ways to do real estate investing. And then the third one is entrepreneurship. 
right? And that could also have a couple different branches. One could be an angel investor, venture capital, or you can build your own business. So there's different ways of investing that can build you wealth, right? And all of them have their pros and cons, right? I have rental property. I purchased my first home before I got married. I was single. I was like 27 years old and I purchased my rental property. Um, When I, today I'm an entrepreneur and I still say the stock market is my favorite way because it's the laziest way. (laughs) You don't have to do a whole lot to invest in the stock market. So when I talk about investing in the stock market, people always want to know like how to get started. And again, I really want to talk to those people who are in the nine to five. If you're in the nine to five, the easiest way to get invested, to get started investing is by leveraging any workplace benefits that you may have that includes something like a 401k or a 403b, or if you're in the military, it's called the TSP or thrift savings plan. That is one of the most simplest ways. It's not sexy. It's not, doesn't sound fun, but it is one of the simplest ways to start getting and uh, to get started when it comes to investing. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I, I work still working nine to five and I still, and I do my thing here. Um, but I, I, I do have a 401k and I have a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. So I make sure a certain amount every week, every paycheck, goes to my to my 401k and to my Roth IRA because I, it has to be this money I, w- I wish I would have learned about these these accounts when I was 30 mm-hmm. it took like I said it took me to my 40s to learn about this and really do something and, and start making a difference but as any time listen it doesn't matter what age you are if whatever you can when you whenever you can start start it's 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 something and so but at the same time now i'm on the entrepreneurship also I'm, i have a production company i'm doing different things and I, and i'm le- i'm learning affiliate marketing and all these other different things so i'm i'm leveraging a lot of the stuff that i'm learning from podcasting into building wealth into doing different things and it's a great it's a great feeling to be able to to, to still yeah i still have my nine to five but to be able to find time to do this on the side and build this up and build it to the point where eventually I can probably leave the nine to five and focus on building, building more into what I want to do, going into coaching, doing whatever. There's so many different options that are, that are opening up for me because I decided to take a chance and take a risk and, and jump into something I love to do. Yeah, there's and I will say there's nothing like making your first like hundred dollars that like you created. <laughs> Listen, like, what did, what are my nothing. first what are my first sales was a logo I did using Canva and it took me probably like 30 minutes and the person paid me 250 for 250 dollars for 30 minutes of work. I'm like, what? Right? You make money like this, like just creating stuff and, and, and selling it to me. It was an amazing feeling to that. That first mm-hmm. 250 was, I'm like, what? I could do this? 30 yes. minutes? Okay. Yeah. There's nothing like learning how to create money because I think also your, your mind starts to change, right? Because if you learn how to make that first hundred dollars, then you know how to make 200. And when yeah. you know how to make 200, then you know how to make 800. And when you know how to make 800, you know how to make like, you know, so it's one of those things where you, you, I, I always like to tell even my clients now, like I said, there's two ways to build wealth. You want to e- decrease your expenses and increase income. If you could do both of them, you're going to be golden. Right. Yeah. And my clients will say, well, I don't know. I'm not an entrepreneur. Like, I don't know. And I'm like, what do people go to you for? What comes natural to you? That when you talk to the people, if people were to talk to your friend circle, they'd be like, oh yeah, I know the exact person you should talk to about that, right? That could be anything from giving like relationship advice. That could be anything from being like, 
you know, as you mentioned, like creative, right? Like I struggle with creativity. Like I'm not, I actually, I'm going to change that. I, I say that a lot and I shouldn't say I struggle that. with creativity. Yes, good. So I like how you caught yourself. I like how you caught yourself. <laughs> And you did it on air and people like, you know, I can't yeah. stop saying those words. Uh, yeah, yes, like be that. careful with the words you say. I, well, one of the things just to go on the little sidebar there, I, I say that I struggle with creativity. I know how to create. What, I, what I'm not good with is I'm not artistic and I'm okay. I'm okay mean, with that. What do you I don't mean not artistic? artistic? What do you mean not artistic? So I'm not artistic in like, in, I don't form, have... in, the, form, in the form that you don't paint. Yeah, that I don't, you don't write poems, right? You're artistic exactly. with money. Well, I was gonna say, so I'm uh, creative when it comes with money. Oh, uh, right? so you're artistic with money. So you're that's a, so you can't say go. you're not artistic, you're just not in the sense of the word that you're not a painter or, or yes. a poet or something like that, but you, you are artistic. Yeah, like I like I said, I I used to say I'm not creative and I had to fix that. And yeah. I'm like, no, I'm very creative because when it comes with budgeting, when it comes with saving, when it comes with making money, when it comes with building, like I know how to create money in that sense. But I was equating cr being creative with being artistic. And I, and I feel you. I feel you because I, I, mm -hmm. I've always thought that I wasn't an art. I, I didn't think I was a creator either. Uh -huh. And yeah. then I started doing my podcast, and then creator. I'm like, wow, I do have. I ha and then I started doing the Canva work and and editing and all and all this. And and like you said, it was for, it was me saying I wasn't capable. And then when I switched the when I switched that that and when I flipped the switch and then went, you know what I can do this. Yeah. It, it just oh it showed me like boy you've been creative your whole life you just had that doubt that self-doubt that's something that, that affects a lot of us is the programming that we've been through for so many years builds that self-doubt in us that we like uh oh, i can't do this i can't do that and yeah. now we got to catch ourselves because self-talk is very important 100 percent. it's it's funny because you know as kids like they're like i want to be president i want to be an astronaut i want to be a baseball player i want to and like they think they could do all the things. It's not like they're gonna choose one. They want to do all the things, and it's yeah. like somewhere along the line, as we get older, we lose that. We lose that, which is really sad. <laughs> it is, you know. No. And, and but now, now you're 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 like, man, if I would have just kept that through mm -hmm. my whole entire life, yeah. but it, it gets it, we we lose this, this that sight when. People start putting their limiting beliefs on us. Yes. And start yes. telling us we can't do that. No, you can't. You can't. 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 You're hearing it from everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so we go from that little child that feels we can do everything in the world to the adult that has been defeated, that's been like, you can't do this. You know, you're not capable. Yeah. It's, look, like it sounds a little woo woo, but it's so powerful when we talk about mindset, mindset when it comes to everything, right? And it's because some so many times we take on all of the outside factors. And it's the same thing with money, right? Like we didn't choose to believe certain things about money. Like yeah. we were, we observed them and absorbed them into making that who we were, right? And it's not until you make a conscious effort and a conscious decision of saying, you know what, I don't want to believe that I'm going to be broke all the time. I don't want to believe that I don't know how to make money. I don't want to believe X, Y, Z. And when you can change that from like a scarcity mindset of like, oh, I'm never going to have money. This isn't going to happen. I'm never going to be wealthy. Like, I don't know who that is. Like, that's not me. That's for somebody else. Yeah. Until we start to challenge those thoughts, and, and really become aware of them. Like, that's the first thing. We have to become aware of those limiting beliefs, but and yes. then we have to begin to challenge them for sure. Um, I, will, I will say, you know, just to kind of go back to the investing piece, yeah. people, again, will come to me and they're like, you know, when they think of, you know, I'm an investor and their idea of what an investor is, is like somebody who has like 16 screens and all these red and green graphs going on. And I'm like, look, that is a way to invest, right? And usually what they're thinking about is like a day trader or a yeah. swing trader, right? And mm -hmm. that really could be a full-time job, right? Like you really have to you know have to, what's going on. You have a lot of work into it. That's, you got, that's something you got to really dive into the numbers and you have to be really into seeing when these you gotta be all into graphs, all that. 
and and yeah, that's a lot of it's a lot of time. It's and a energy. lot of work. I like the lazy way of doing it. I like the simple approach, and I'm more of a passive investor, right? So again, people don't like to hear when I when they ask me what should I do, how can I get started investing, and I'm like, well, do you have a 401k? They're like, ah, get out of here, like, because it doesn't sound sexy, but it is one of the simplest mm-hmm. ways to start investing, right? Yeah. It is so before you even get your paycheck. You are putting money aside to build wealth. You're putting money aside to do those things, right? And you mentioned one of my favorite accounts, which is the Roth Roth IRA, IRA. right? And there's like a whole alphabet soup, right? There's like 401k, (laughs) 403b, Roth IRA, traditional IRA, HSA. There's all of this like alphabet soup of things. But really when we're thinking about it is... People will think about, oh, well, Robinhood. I have a Robinhood app. And I have some that was going to be one of my questions. That was, was going to be one of my questions. Okay. How do you feel about all these people who are not, like, it's not really because at, at work, you got you got all these young cats and all these young people on Robinhood and I invested and they went crazy when they did the AMC and this stock and that yeah. stock. The and stocks, um, and yeah. a lot of people made a lot of money. And a lot of people lost a lot of money. money. Yes. Right. (laughs) So here's what I say. First of all, I remember asking in high school, I think we had like one day session on what investing was. And I don't remember anything about what I learned that day. Like, obviously, I I remember when we did it, it was like we did it for like a couple of weeks where we followed certain stocks in in the newspaper and you you would pick certain stocks. The newspaper. Okay, I'm old. I'm right. Sorry, I was like in the newspaper. Yes. I, 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 I'm old. Okay, I'm sorry. My apologies. But, no worries. But when I went to school, yeah, we, no, but, but no, but we, we would look up, we would pick certain stocks, right? And we would follow them for like a couple of weeks and see. Okay, we we would we would pretend like we bought a hundred shares or whatever it was, and we would follow it and we would see the patterns. But but that was the, that was probably the most we've learned on what an investments were. Mm. Yeah, I didn't even have that experience. Like, yeah, I didn't even have that experience. Like I said, we had like one session, and I remember I was the one who asked this question because they were talking about like buying a hundred shares. And so I knew that there were some shares that, yes, they call, you know, they cost a few cents, but there were some shares like that cost a few dollars. And I'm like, well, what about if you only have like twenty five dollars? And I remember the teacher saying, well, it's not worth investing if you only have that much money because of the fees associated with investing. So what I will say about the apps now and the accessibility to investing is that it's better than ever and it's easier than ever to get started as an investor. Today, you could really get started investing with $10, with $25, with $50. You don't have to worry about like commissions and trade fees and things like that. So I love the movement that there is right now with making investing more accessible. Now, here's the problem. Even though investing is more accessible, and there is a lot of really great investing books out there, blogs, YouTube channels, things like that. If people don't have, if people are not learning the true application and a healthy application on how to use what they're learning, I do feel a little worried for the next generation because I do feel that there will be people who are going to invest a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand dollars lose their shirts, and then never want to invest again, right? And we know that this is true because if we look at generations past, people who lost money in the Great Depression, right? They never got back in. Or even people that during the 90s tech bust, right? They had money in there, their 401ks went to kaput, and they lost money. And because they didn't know what was happening and that those things are cycles and normal they not only lost their uh their portfolios lost value but they solidified or they locked in that loss by actually selling and so i do love that there's more accessibility to investing but I do worry that there's people who are playing with fire they don't know what they're playing with and that if they lose money 
they're going to end up walking away from investing forever and really lose on building wealth. And that's sort of my fear. And no, it's, 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 it's a fear. It's a good fear to have because it, it's been seen. It's been people who don't know about investing, investing in some of these apps and losing everything and, and they just can't take it. And, and it ends up worse than that. Right. They, take, they take their lives. So it, it is something that people need to work on where, listen, if you're going to invest in, in Robin hood and whatever these accounts are, do your research, mm-hmm. find <laughs> out and don't, don't go spend the money you don't have. If you got $25, take that $25 and find yourself in the stock. Right, let me, mm-hmm. But don't, that doesn't mean you have to take all your money and start investing, investing, investing. You learn, learn the system, find out what fits you, but don't go crazy. Yeah. I think also it's one of those things, like if you are trying to build wealth or trying to make money overnight, I'm not the financial coach for you, right? I'm not here to help somebody make turn $100 into $1,000 tomorrow, right? I believe in long-term wealth building because long-term approach leads to long-term longevity when it comes to that, right? So I'm interested in helping people really build a strong financial foundation today so that it pays off not six months from now, not 12 months from now, but really years to come, right? And what I was doing for myself was once I understood the simple, passive way of investing, I created a plan for myself to buy my freedom, right? Rather than spending $100 on going out to eat, and and it wasn't even like great experiences, right? It was like spending $10 here, $15 there, $20 there. And then I was like, where's the 100 bucks that I had in my pocket, right? So it was like, okay, how can I use this to help me buy my freedom? And I even use this approach with my clients. I'm like, when you're thinking about buying something in the store, right? The question that you should ask yourself isn't how much does this cost, Right. It's really how much time do I have to work in order to afford this, right? Okay, this is only going to be one hour's worth of my work and it's worth it. Or this is going to cost 10 hours worth of my work that I have to actually go to work for. Is it worth it, right? And sometimes the answer is yes. And sometimes it's like, nah, I got to work 10 hours at a job I don't even like to buy this thing. No way, right? And it's a different, it's like that mindset shift, right? It's like shifting from the, okay, I want to buy and accumulate things and I want that instant gratification. So you know what? I'd rather put this $10, this $25, this $100 to buy one day, just one day of freedom in the future, right? And I know that for a lot of, most of my clients are millennials and Gen Zers and they're like, but okay, Wally, you're still talking about five, 10, 25 years down the road. That sounds like so long. And my point is that if you continue going at the path that you're going, right, which is working, spending, working, spending, how long will you have to do that in order to afford your lifestyle, right? And my, the way I I sort of do a reframe is if you can buy one day at a time, right? Think about buying one day of freedom, one day less that you have to work, then you know how to work one week less, one month less. Then it turns into six months less, one year less, right? And this whole idea of that you have to work until you're 60, 65, 70 years old. And then enjoy retirement. It is complete baloney. (laughs) It's straight bullshit. It's straight bullshit. Right, exactly. I wasn't (laughs) sure. So it's like, it's complete BS, right? Like you don't need to do that, right? So I will say me and my husband, our journey started Back in 2015 was when I started really honing in and really focusing in on where our money was going. Because I was like, well, I don't have money to invest, right? And I was like, no, at that point, I didn't have money to invest because it was going out the door. It was like being spent on things that didn't matter, right? And it's not about deprivation. I want you to spend money on the things that bring you joy and the things that add value to your life. Like spend money on that. But cut relentlessly. And this is a a quote by Ramit Sethi, who says he's the author of the book, um, I Will Teach You to Be Rich. 
And he says, you know, um, spend lavishly on the things that you care about and then cut relentlessly on the things that you don't care for, right? On those things that are causing those like wallet leaks, right? Where you're like, yo, where I had $100 in my checking account. Where did it go? Right. And then all of a sudden we don't know where it is. And so if we can really sort of begin to define what is important to me, right? How can I start buying one day of freedom? You know, as I mentioned, my husband and I, we started on this journey in 2015. And my goal isn't to retire at 65 or 60 or even 55. Like I will be work optional by the time I'm 40. And I'm like, I feel like that was pretty good. I started working summers when I was 14 years old. That's a whole lot of work history, right? Like so many of us had to do anyways. Or even if you started working at 20, right? You work from 20 to 40, that's still 20 years, right? So we can make and implement some of the simple investing strategies and start simply. If you don't have a 401k at your job, maybe you have a job that doesn't offer one, then open up a Roth IRA, right? If... Perhaps if you are making too much money and don't qualify to put money into a Roth IRA, then think about like a traditional IRA and they each have their advantages mm-hmm. and and their tax benefits for sure. Yeah. But start there. Yeah. Oh, man, this has been wonderful. <laughs> this is, oh, this has been good. No, this has really been good. I'm, I've really enjoyed this. This is some a conversation that needed to be had. Um, we had a couple of comments in there because we are live. Uh, Facebook user, love the discussion. This is within their wheelhouse. Nikki Delaney says, hi, Wise and Wally from Washington State. Lloyd Phillips Jr., hello, everyone. He says, I like those last two. I guess when you were talking about the, the three things, mm-hmm. he said he likes the last two investments. And okay. so, yeah. But, yeah. Um, it's really it's, about getting, you know, getting understanding the type of person you are, right? Yeah. Like when we're thinking about, okay, which investment vehicle am I going to use, right? Am I going to use the stock market? Am I going to use real estate? And I think for a lot of people, people will understand real estate better, right? Because it's like the one of the more common type of real estate investments. They're like, yeah, you buy a house, then you rent it out. Perfect, right? Yeah. But one of the things with real estate investing in that way, because there is a way to get into real estate investing that costs, that's uh, a lower um, barrier to entry. But when we're thinking about like buying a house or an apartment building, like it's that you need a lot of upfront money. So it really knocks a lot of people out of the game, right? Because it's like, dang, how am I going to come up with 25, 50, $100,000, you know, to put for a down payment and make reserva- uh, uh, renovations. So there is different barriers to entry to each one of these. And then entrepreneurship, right? Usually for entrepreneurship, you mentioned you made $250 using Canva and you can get started on Canva for free, right? Yeah. Um, and if not, you can, you know, what, pay $12.99 or something a month? $14.99. Yeah, for the pro. $14.99 to get, to get like the, 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 the next pro. year up. Yeah. So it's really about sort of understanding where you can start, right? And entrepreneurship is not for everybody. I will say I love entrepreneurship. One thing I really like about entrepreneurship is there's no cap to the amount of money you can make, yeah. right? But it's a lot of hard work, right? So you're gonna work a, more. You're gonna actually work harder on being an entrepreneur. I than believe you that. Nine to five. <laughs> yeah. You, you, well, you are. You actually. You actually. You know, work harder because. But. But you know what? It's also. Yes, it's harder work. It's different it's, work. It's different. It is. It's mm-hmm. much more fulfilling. Yeah. And that's the difference. Yeah. That's the big difference. Because now I'm doing something for me. And it's something that I enjoy doing. I enjoy being creative. It's like, like I said, I didn't, I, I, like you, I didn't think I was artistic. I didn't think I was creative. Yeah. But now here I am selling logos, selling, doing thumbnails, doing all these different things. And, but it brings so much, it's so much, it's so much different energy from it. Mm-hmm. It's not like, ah, oh, I'm working this 10, seven, eight hours and whatever. And, but, when you create something and you sell it mm-hmm. and, and and it's nothing more fulfilling, like, oh man, this, this is something I created. Somebody actually gave me money for this. And I spent, like I said, I spent 30 minutes of my time. That yeah. piece was worth $250 worth of my time at that moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. Right. And I will say like our, 
you know, particularly communities of color, we don't have an issue with knowing how to make money, right? Like we all know the dude who cuts everybody's hair. We all know the girl who we know the hustlers. We come, we, listen, we come from hustling. We come from hustling. Yeah. We yeah. know what it is to hustle. We just don't know what to, how to invest it and where to put it at because right. we'll spend it on everything. Mm-hmm. But we know how to make money. It's not, that's, yeah. listen, what, coming, coming from, like you said, your dad is an immigrant. I'm sure he was a hard worker. Mm-hmm. Your mom, Puerto Rican, stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. We didn't. We know. We know how to make the money. We know how to work and make the money. And we know how to. We know how to reduce expenses. Right now, there's the whole minimalism movement, right? Where people are like, oh, reuse your old jars. I'm like, you went we've into the refrigerator. We've been using our butter. We've been using our butter things for years. <laughs> Exactly. Like you, you look at, you're looking for butter and you open the thing, it's rice. You open the other one, it's chicken. We've been recycling like our 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 pickle jars that has oil in it. We recycle everything. <laughs> right. This is what I'm saying, right? So, like, really, if we can learn, right? I, I have written this article that financial independence to me, when I first started, it was about like how can I how can I be good, right? Like, I want to be good. But then I learned that I could use the same principles that I was using to build wealth for myself to build generational wealth, right? Like leaving for that next generation, right? And so many of us, like when we look, when we sort of try to figure out what's going on, like we, we're probably our parents' retirement plans, right? They probably don't ask and they don't consider it that way. But so many of them didn't like have access to 401ks and things like that. So now we have to realize, okay, not only do I have to take care of myself, I got to take care of my parents, right? And then if you have children, now you're taking care of them as well. And so it's like really, okay, like how can we use the skills that we have and also the tools that are available to everybody that so many other people use that we just don't know how to use, right? How can we use those same tools to make sure that we build ourselves, that we build our communities, that we build and take care of our family, right? And it doesn't end with us, right? So that we could really be the family who's like, yo, my uncle left me money, right? My tia left me money, right? I'm like, I want to build a trust fund. I want to build a trust fund to leave for the next generation. Um, But it's really just taking that step and having the awareness of saying, you know what, like, I don't know what is the piece that I'm missing, right? Something is not adding up. The math ain't mathing, but I want to do something better. Yeah. So uh, Facebook user 401k is a great start. But one thing I would recommend is take advantage of matching funds, benefits, employees, employees offer. Be Be aware of this variable account that can gain and lose funds. Well, yes, at, at, um, at my job, they don't match a lot, but they match something. And they it's get, free money. Yeah, you talk about hundred percent return. So in, or, in order for in order for me to get the max, I had to ma- I had to invest a certain amount, and then they'll match a max, a, 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 whatever it was, one point seven percent, whatever it was, whatever they were matching, whatever. But I took advantage of it. I was like, okay, it's it's a hundred percent return on your money. Like it's free money, it's money and also yeah. like. Just to talk about the stock market, right? The stock market, this is why I say, like, I'm not going to be the financial coach for you if you're trying to turn $100 into $1,000 by tomorrow, right? That is just not my thing. When we're talking about the stock stock market, we're talking about long-term thinking. We're talking mm-hmm. about what is this going to look like five years from now, 10 years from now? And yeah. I don't know, nobody could tell you what the stock market is going to do tomorrow, right? Like, we just don't know what the stock market is going to do. But we know over history, Right. We know that over history, over the long term, the stock market always goes up. And so the thing is that people will think that it's a straight shot up. It's not. There's a lot of ups and downs in between. But even in the ups and downs in between, guess what's happening? is still trending upwards, right? And so I don't know what the stock market is going to look like tomorrow, but I can guarantee that 10 years from now, what I invested 10 years later is going to be way higher. Right. It could be up 10 percent. It could be up 15 percent. Look at the stock market this year alone. Right. This this year alone, the S&P 500, which stands for the top 500 companies in the United States, is up an average of 15 percent. 15 percent. 
we already talked about savings account giving four to five percent. That's good. That's high. Yeah. Prior to that, like we said, it was under one percent. Under one percent. And even today, actually, if you go to if you have a savings account with Chase, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, sort of those three big banks, the big ones, of course, still under one yeah. percent, right? Yeah. So they, 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 they want all that money. They ain't trying right. to give you none of that money. Yeah. Yeah. So just take a look at that. I feel like if I could give something away for your listeners, like some homework, is that yeah. if you do have a savings account, call your savings account, bank, the bank, uh, wherever your bank is, and right? Find out, yeah. And find out what your interest rate is. And then just hit a Google search and say, which bank accounts, which savings accounts have the, the highest best. interest yeah. rate? You know, and this is not about switching back and forth. This is about looking at ones and they're called high yield savings account because they have a higher yield. They have a yeah. higher interest rate and see like, OK, wait a minute. Chase has been giving me one percent even now when I know that there's savings accounts that have four or five percent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man, this has been great. <laughs> I can talk about money all day long no, listen, and there's no, so many facets to it you know no, it's, this has been a great conversation i appreciate you coming on the show this has been amazing i i, I definitely want to have you back on we definitely gonna have a part two of this because this is gonna be fun <laughs> absolutely well you let me know for sure but now you get to uh you get the solo screen and uh you get to plug away and let everybody know where they can find you your website where they can if they want to get hire you as a coach let them know yeah. Well, again, Will, thank you so much for having me. This has been such a blast. I get so passionate about talking about finances because this was something that I really knew nothing about. And now I just want to shout it to the world that it doesn't have to be hard and complicated. So I am most active on Instagram, so you can find me there. Um, but you can also go to my website, which is financiallythriving.com, and you'll find my socials. And again, my Instagram is financially underscore thriving. Uh, you can find me there and reach out. Um, I do provide one-on-one -on -one coaching. So if you're like, okay, I feel like I want to do something. I don't know really where to start. I know that there's books out there and I know there's YouTube channels and things like that, but I feel like I need that one-on-one -on -one support and that one-on-one -on -one accountability, or maybe you have a unique situation, like hit me up for sure. And, and listen, this is how much of a hustler you are that, I hit you up on face on Instagram, and as soon as I hit you up, I, like I fo I've followed you. Oh, are you interested in finding out about finances? I said no. Um, I'm actually you're gonna be a guest on my podcast this coming week. <laughs> yeah, I, although I will say there are like what is it? There are those duplicate um, what's that called? Those uh like. Booth accounts. Oh, you got a you got a you got a fake account. Yes. Oh my copying? god, there's been I I report them to um Facebook or to Meta oh, and Instagram oh. all the time. It's so annoying. <laughs> no, no, I did see you that you followed me. So okay. you did follow me at Financially Thriving. All right, all right. Um, but there is if you message me for the first time, there's like an automated system oh. that will pop up automatically that'll say hey are you interested in one-on-one -on -one financial coaching <laughs> but yeah but thank you so much it's been great I, I greatly appreciate you being on the show yes thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it but don't leave just yet let me close out the show um and we'll chat a little bit off air and uh but this this was great man listen people enjoyed it uh you had uh my boy leon he said you dropped some gems but and I love I love doing the lives because of the interaction because people get to comment and stuff. So I, I enjoy they get to be a part of the show and they can actually drop a comment or even if they have a question. Yes, yes, absolutely. But let me close out. All right, let me. Uh, but so don't leave yet, okay? <laughs> All right. So now it is time for shout outs. Big shout out. To a Facebook user, I don't know who it is. It's probably old by me or somebody I know. I'm Corrado, one of them. Uh, shout out to Mickey Delaney. Shout out to Lloyd Phillips for coming through. Shout out to my boy Leon Jones. Um, big shout out to my man Ben because I know he's one of the people that that showed love. As always, big shout out to my real wise fan, Poppy J, Brandy J. Big shout out to the boss lady. Love you and appreciate you, baby. And as, oh, big shout out to my guest, Wally Miller, for coming through and showing some love. And as always, a big, big shout out to all the essential workers out there. 
God bless y'all. Be safe. You know your boy Wise does it. Peace out.